You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. Welcome to Monday's edition of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, and if you haven't seen from the title already, today is part two of my collaboration with Guyney Sports Pod. Sean, yes, uh, part two is dropping today. In part one, if you haven't listened already, I strongly consider you to do so, where we talk about the Celtics and the Bruins extremely in-depthly. And in this episode, we talk about the Red Sox, what we expect from them, who we could expect to play well, what we you know can see, expect, and hope from the Red Sox. And then after that, we talk about the Patriots. Wow, do we go into the Patriots talking about free agency, talking about the draft, talking about certain players that the Patriots should go after or shouldn't gone after. And obviously... Uh, free agency has is still going right now. It's been a week ever since you know the big news of the Patriots signing just about everybody under the sun. But Sean and I both go into that very very much and into detail of like you know why this player, why that player, and so on and so forth. And then we also take a look at the draft, what the Patriots should do at 15. Should they trade up? Should they trade back? What should they do in the later rounds? What do they need, especially after signing everybody that they did? Where do the Patriots go from here in terms of the draft? For a long time, I've said quarterback. For a long time, I've said wide receiver. Well, it seems like they kind of addressed that, bringing back Cam Newton, signing Nelson Aguilar, and Kendrick Bourne. Obviously, there was a tight end possibility with Kyle Pitts. Well, we'd sign two tight ends. Okay, now we look to the defense, you know, bringing a linebacker. Well, you kind of did. You brought Matt Judon in, you brought Kyle Van Noy back, and you have... um. Dante Hightower coming back from uh, COVID opt-out. So a lot of question marks there with the Patriots now at 15. What should they do? And Sean and I dive into it immensely, like I said. So before we go any further, please comment down below if you're watching on YouTube. Definitely leave this video a like rating. And if you're watching on audio-only platforms, reach out to me at Murphs underscore Boston ST, where the ST stands for Sports Talk, as you know, as you love. And... On Wednesday, on Hump Day's edition, we will get back into our regular scheduled recorded episodes. But this collaboration was extremely fun, so definitely please enjoy it. Check out my buddy Sean's podcast as well. The links will be in the description as well as mine. Please download, please listen, and please enjoy as always. But here is part two of Sean and I's collaboration. Uh, Speaking of another team... Let's switch gears quickly. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Red Sox because I want to get to the Patriots and free agency. All right. Uh, so the Red Sox, they're pl- 
they're in uh, spring training right now. Uh, spring training doesn't really matter. I don't really care about it, but uh, they're still in spring training. Uh, season starts up soon. What are your expectations for them this season? Uh, it's so hard. I had low expectations for them at the start of spring training. And I know that really? the games, I know the games don't mean anything, but they do look really good though. They really do. I mean, they're winning a few games. I mean, obviously they're losing game. I mean, it really doesn't matter, but overall I'm content with this team. I have a little bit of hope now. Are they going to go out and, you know, win the world series? No. Could they make the playoffs and make a little bit of noise as a wildcard team? Absolutely. And I yeah. feel like that's, that's the floor and i feel like that's the ceiling for the team is I, I don't see them dethroning the yankees i mean they're just way too good as of now i feel like if the red sox don't make the playoffs it's a disappointment because they're the red sox they have a ton of star talent they have um the championship pedigree you got your coach back you have a yep. ton of players that you're hoping for bounce back seasons from there's no excuse not to make the playoffs this year with a full 162 games uh, schedule. You can say pitching, but at the end of the day, that's your own fault for not going out and getting said pitching because I'm not a big fan of this rotation, but I think everything else is pretty solid, pretty solid, especially that lineup. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the season, uh, but I'm not really in the same boat as you. I I think that if they at least go I haven't gone for around 80 wins. Mm-hmm. Could be a little more, could be a little less. But if they don't make the playoffs, I'm completely fine with it. Why is uh, that? The, the Yankees are really good, obviously. The Blue Jays. The Blue Jays loaded up this offseason. Oh, yeah, they're, they're good. They're, they're going to make some noise this season. and They could maybe fight with the Yankees for the top spot. So that leaves us. Uh, the, Rays are, the Rays are a mess. <laughs> the Rays are a mess. Terrible. Um, so they're not they're not going to be the same team as they were last season. So the Red Sox could be the three seed, at worst the four seed. Maybe maybe even second seed if the Blue Jays can't get anything together. But they're going to be mediocre. Mm-hmm. If they don't make, I don't expect them to make the playoffs. Um, I'll be fine if they don't, because they're still growing. They're still growing. They still got some young guys that need the experience, especially guys who haven't played yet. I mean, last season, Bobby Dahlbeck played a couple games. Oh, 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 I love And Dahlbeck. this, so far this season, I mean, he's got f- this uh, spring training. He's got five home runs, 12 RBIs, uh, 10 runs on nine hits. He hasn't really played at all. So uh, there's a bunch of young guys that they still have. Uh, they're going to get the experience that they need. And who knows, two two seasons from now, next season, uh, they could possibly be a wildcard contender. And they'll just keep building up from there. They'll keep building up from there. But this season, I'm not expecting much. Uh, if they make the playoffs, great. But I don't expect them to. They'll be mediocre. They'll be around 500, mm-hmm. 80 wins. Book at 80 wins. I like the point that you brought up saying how they have a bunch of young players. And they do. And it feels good for uh you know, it's been a long time since we've actually said that, that they have a, you know, a bunch of young players. I mean, Dahlbeck, you mentioned of Connor Wong from the Betts deal, even Verdugo still a young guy from the Betts deal. Uh, Jaron Duran, Jeter Downs. You can even consider Michael Shavis still a young guy if you want, but Bounce on the other. Bounce back from JD. What's up? Bounce back 
bounce back season from JD Martinez. And I was going to say, I mean, the Red Sox do have a lot of, um, you know, older veteran players on their team, JD Martinez, Bogarts. I mean, I feel like Devers can kind of be in that boat now as part of the veterans Vasquez even plus the pitching staff, you know, new, uh, not, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, Evaldi, Chris sale is going to be coming back, you know, hopefully sooner than later. So you have a lot of veteran pieces and I feel like the mindset for the Red Sox this year is to bounce back and I don't want to say go for it, but that's their attitude that they're going to have because of how they played last year in the 60 game season. It was a shit show for them. Now, obviously when it comes to pure talent, they are inferior to the Yankees. I love what the Blue Jays did. They brought in a bunch of young talent and they brought in a bunch of veterans too. They have a really good team out there. I feel like, uh, your, men, your your mindset for the Red Sox and the Blue Jays could be reversed because the Blue Jays have a better uh, a younger core, better younger core, and they brought in the veteran players that they need. But are they in win now mode? They geared up like it is, but I think in terms of personnel, I think the Red Sox are a little bit closer to that point. Now, now obviously, I'm not saying that they will, but I don't know. I mean, yes, the Red Sox have a bunch of young players, but they also have a bunch of you know veterans as well. Marwin Gonzalez, they brought in. Uh, Hunter Renfro. I mean, he's not really, you know, anything good or special, but nah. they got they they got they got some pieces to to make a push and make a run. And especially after last season, I can't see them accepting, wanting, or you know, being anything less than a 500 team. I know before we recorded, I said I think the line was like 83 and a half. I really think that they have to go over. Otherwise, Sox fans are going to be out for their heads, like you know, Celtics fans are out for the Celtics head. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about betting, uh, I'd I'd honestly just avoid hitting uh, betting on win totals uh, because it they could be like around it could be around eighty wins, it could be a little more than that, or it could be a little less than that, and so it's really not a safe bet to. Bet oh, on. absolutely not. It's not. But uh, yeah, I'm. You what you're talking about was the Blue Jays, how they don't have the uh, what personnel like the Red Sox do. What, what do you really mean like that? So like, they still have a, a really good, they have a great young core. They have Biggio, they have Vlad Jr., Bo Bichette, obviously. And they brought in, you know, Michael Brantley and George Springer. Is that going to be enough for them though? I mean, they brought in um, Ryu last year to be the starting, the basically their ace. I just feel like, I mean, the Blue Jays, yes, made the playoffs last year. And, you know, they had a nice little run, flirted with the division a little bit. I just don't know. And of course, if a full regular 162 is, that's going to hold up. I mean, you look at the Orioles last year, they were flirting with a wild card spot too. And over 162, that doesn't hold up for a team like them. For the Blue Jays, though, where you're going to be playing, you know, across the whole league and not just in your, you know, your division or your um, opposite yeah. league's division. Yeah. I just don't know if that holds up for them. I don't know if they have enough yet. They don't have that championship pedigree. They haven't been there and gotten close enough, obviously with the exception of um, the Astro players that, that came over. But with the Red Sox, a lot of those players from the 2018 team are still here. And a lot of those players were also on the team last year. And I don't think they're going to accept anything like that again this year. So that's why I think there's a, just a little bit of a different mentality and mindset for both teams, because I think the Blue Jays will just be happy with 85 wins. I think they'll be content with that and use that as a building block for next year and let all their younger players still progress. But meanwhile, the Red Sox younger players are expected to make a lot of noise with their veteran players. 
All right, yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that, so that does make a little sen more sense to me now. Um, but to me, I mean, last season was really just like a whole reset season. And it was probably planned, uh, like, obviously, like when the pandemic first hit and the season got pushed back, like, I feel, I have a feeling that they just wanted like a quick reset. And it was a perfect opportunity. It was 60 games. Oh, yeah. Around there. So that it made sense to me. And I was completely fine with it. I just completely ignored the Red Sox. Barely watched any games. I think I watched like five games last season. This season, it'll be obviously more. But again, I'm they're still like in a re they're in a little rebuild. It started last season. It really started the season before that. That uh, was the down. It just an unexpected rebuild where they had a little downhill season. Uh, things really fell apart. Then last year they reset. Uh, they got a high draft pick. Hopefully they use it smartly. And now this season they're gonna they're gonna start their climb back up. So in saying that, I'm still gonna say that they're gonna miss the playoffs. Uh, they'll be mediocre. They'll be mediocre, and that's really the best I can say. Mm -hmm. They're not. They're they'll compete at points, but then at other points you'll see the obvious young amateur mistakes, and that's something that I'm expecting. And that's something I'm gonna deal with. There's definitely a lot of opportunity for the, the Red Sox to both exceed and um, struggle over the course of the season. A, you're playing a full 162, which you haven't done in two years now. Uh, last year, I think, was a great opportunity for them to you know, kind of rebuild, retool, reset the whole thing because no one really cares about, about you know, the 2020 season, obviously, except the team who won the World Series. But, I mean, you look at the Marlins who made it to the playoffs. No one really cares about that. The Blue Jays made the playoffs. No one really cares about that. So the Red Sox sucking and tanking that year. No one really cares about it because there's so many arguments to make, like, oh, over the course of a full season, they could have bounced back, which is probably true. But, I mean, we'll never know. And entering this year, I feel like a lot of expectations, what, you know, a lot of the vibe that I'm getting, especially having Cora back, you know, players coming back from injury is that they want to do good and that they will do good. At least that's what they're expecting at um, down at spring training. Now, it, does that come to fruition? Maybe, maybe not. And I still think there's tons of holes on this roster that needs to be filled and efforts for them to make any kind of noise to, you know, be a playoff team, such as starting pitching, because even when Chris Sale comes back, whenever he does, what kind of pitcher is he going to be post Tommy John? We don't know. And even if you have Chris Sale, you still need another starter in that rotation. Plus the bullpen. Can you really rely on it this year? Cause you sure hell couldn't do it last year. So if anything, I really think that the big problem for this team will be pitching. Definitely. Because at times last year, as much as the Red Sox sucked, they were really good hitting and they sucked a lot of hitting. And I think, you know, having Alex Cora back will do a massive thing for a lot of, of players, Bogarts, Devers. Um, you have um, Cordero coming in now. We'll see if he makes the team or not. But a lot of the other young guys too are going to have to step up and make a lot of plays for this team. And will they be able to make that call is I think probably their second issue is their young players' performance. Yeah. No, definitely not. Yeah, it's going to, the main issue is probably going to be the pitching. Um, if guys who struggled last year are hitting, just have a bounce, just have a bounce back season. Great, yeah. Uh, pitching, again, is an issue. Uh, a lot of guys right now in spring training have been struggling pitching. Um, but other than that, they'll, they'll compete. They'll be competitive and 
just stumble at the worst times and it'll pay it'll cost them at the end of the season like they they'll make up they'll mess up certain games that at the end of the season if you looked at the standings they could very well maybe compete for the second wild card spot wild card spot but they didn't and it's fine if they don't oh losing yeah, power still life just went off I, I haven't <laughs> moved in two hours except for just barely slight movements but yeah that happens all right uh now we're gonna get into probably the bigger talking points yes sir in sports here we go the new england patriots so actually since we've been talking uh they made a trade oh i gotta go check i don't have my phone out it's what not, happened nothing big Okay. Ryan happened? Izzo got traded for a seventh round pick. Oh, that's special. exciting. To who? Uh, it was to the Raiders, I think it was. Uh, oh, great. Yeah. Uh, no, Texans. <laughs> Which, since actually, so Ryan Izzo got traded to the Texans. Mm-hmm. That could very well be the first trade of another trade between the Patriots and the Texans later this offseason. Uh-oh. Are or, you hinting at something? So, or soon or sooner than that. Are you hinting at something? I'm just put gonna put this out there. As the days go by, as the hours tick by, it makes more sense to me that Deshaun Watson could very well be traded to the New England Patriots. I gotta ask you this before you go any further. What's the package? Because we've heard rumors. Of Russell of Russell Wilson trade to other teams and his and the Seahawks asking price is starting with three first round picks. Yeah, and that's for Russell Wilson. So what is this proposed deal? If you were Bill Belichick to the Texans for Deshaun Watson, it'll definitely be a lot of picks. First round next year, maybe the first round the year after that. Uh, second and thirds, and then probably like a sixth and seventh. Along with Stephon Gilmore, and I want to say Dante Hightower. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they, they, he's a generational quarterback. Stuff oh, like this top does, five quarterback right now. Stuff like this does not happen at all, where a franchise has to trade their franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. Belichick is going to look at it and say, "This guy can get me one more ring." Before I'm before I need to retire, and after that, the Patriots will still be in great hands because he'll be here for probably the rest of his career. So he's really doing himself a solid and the team, the the franchise, years down the road, multiple maybe a couple more titles. So yeah, that's why I'm saying Deshaun Watson could very well be a Texan. Do I see it happening? Maybe. You mean a Again, Patriot? As, yeah, as a okay. Patriot. Yeah. Uh, as the days go by, it does make more and more sense to me. But I also know that it's unlikely to happen. I, they have enough space for it. They have enough space for them, cap rise. They do. And I feel like one thing that the Patriots have over everybody else is that, you know, New England connection with, um, oh, Nick, uh, what's his name? Nick? Casario. Casario. See, I always, I want to say Caruso, <laughs> the point guard for the Lakers. Caruso. But uh, yeah. It's like that's like the only connection. But if you look at the Miami Dolphins, who have two first round picks this year, they can throw in Tua and Miami, beautiful weather, nice, good coach, and uh, Brian Flores. I mean, obviously, Deshaun Watson can decide where he wants to go. And the Patriots, as of now, obviously, 
Exactly. As of now, obviously the Patriots are in a much better position than the the Miami Dolphins are. And if you asked this question a week ago, I'd probably say the Dolphins. It, it makes a lot of sense if if Deshaun wants to wants to win now. It makes a lot of sense if he just wants to collect his uh, his checks and live in a beautiful environment. Then Miami's the way to go. But it all depends on what Watson wants to do. And I don't know if I'm still not sold that the Texans want to trade Deshaun Watson. I'm still not sold. It makes a lot of sense if Deshaun Watson doesn't want to play. But at the end of the day, are you just going to let that guy just sit there and you know pay his fines and not get anything for him? Because you have teams out there offering a ton of draft picks and a ton of this and a ton of that. And it's like, at some point, you got to answer the phone and, and entertain it at least. I mean, yeah. whether you make the deal or not, you got to answer the phone. And if... At the end of the day, I don't see him getting traded anywhere but Miami just because the Miami package, I think, can be put together so much better. And I don't know if other teams can come close to that if you don't have multiple picks in the first round in any year. Yeah. I mean, picks are always valuable. They're gold. First round picks are gold. Definitely. I mean, that's what you see mostly when it comes to a – big name player getting traded like we saw uh the bills they traded their first round pick for stefan diggs mm-hmm. and that first round pick ended up being justin jefferson so both sides won that stuff can happen but with the patriots it would it would actually also be this year i forgot to mention this year's first round pick this year's first round pick would have to go uh along with next year's and then the seconds and thirds and whatever else but yeah you mentioning miami that's a team that i would see most likely Deshaun Watson going to only because of the return. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like Deshaun, he has a no, no, he has a no trade clause, uh, so he can go wherever. And it would probably be, it would probably be Miami. Uh, they'll probably, they haven't yet. They really have not made any signings offensively. But the Dolphins, they can, they can make, they can be sneaky good if Deshaun Watson's, if Deshaun Watson gets traded there. I still like Tua. I still think that he just hasn't. It was his first season last year. He didn't really have a chance last year. They had no receivers. Yeah. They were all yeah. injured. So if, if the Dolphins are going to trade for Deshaun Watson, it would have to be Tua. But I hope the, Dolphin, the Dolphins are smart enough to realize that your quarterback could be just as good as Deshaun Watson based off his college career. I mean, his mm-hmm. first season, it wasn't great. It wasn't great, obviously. He couldn't close out games. He had really no offense. But they need to realize that just because you're bringing in a better quarterback immediately does not does not make you immediately better. Like you got to boost up the offense. So, yes, Miami would make the most sense. But there's circumstances that around Miami that wouldn't make a trade for Deshaun Watson reasonable. I agree. So that's why the Patriots. That's why the Patriots are coming in. And I mean, there's got if not Miami or the Patriots. I don't know what other else team. I don't know what the other team would be. I don't really see the Jets being uh, a fitting candidate. Uh, I think it would make that, no sense for the Jets. Yeah. I mean, they have the second overall pick. If they want to get a quarterback, just get a. I mean, obviously, a proven Deshaun Watson is, you know, a much better asset than a um, a rookie Zach Wilson yeah. or whoever you want to throw in as that second quarterback. But the difference is, you have him for four or five years under that rookie contract, which is a a huge uh, team-friendly number, and 
there's no pressure to really, you know, be in the playoffs. But if you trade for Deshaun Watson, there's going to be pressure on you to be in the playoffs. There is. So, I mean, I feel like the Jets may be the only other team that it would make sense for. But if you trade Sam Darnold, get some draft picks back, use your second rounder on uh, the second overall, excuse me, on whoever, whoever your favorite, you know, second best quarterback is behind Trevor Lawrence. Then you can use those other picks from the Darnold trade and, you know, rebuild the team that way because they have a couple nice pieces over there. But I mean, they're so far behind everybody else, basically in the league. So would it even make sense to trade for Deshaun Watson if I'm um, the Jets? I don't think so. And if I'm Miami, if you look at Miami, they got two picks in the first round, the third overall and uh, what is it, the 17th overall, something like that. So it's like you have two insanely valuable picks right there that you can use to help rebuild and surround Tua. Because, yes, he didn't have a good season. He, I mean, he didn't play half the season because he was back up. And when he did play, he didn't have any weapons around him. So if you go out there and draft pieces to be around him, whether it's a, a Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith kind of player at three, and then someone else at 17 to maybe, you know, bolster the defense. Okay, now now we have like a good young group down in Miami. And I think trading for Deshaun Watson over there makes more sense than it is in New York or for New England. But if he's traded to New England, they're in win-now mode. But are the Jets in win-now mode with Deshaun Watson? No. Are the Dolphins in win-now mode if they have Deshaun Watson? Maybe. Yes, but no. I mean, they're not going to. Yeah. So it just – what kind of package could the Patriots or any team really put together – for Deshaun Watson when the asking price from Seattle for Wilson is three first round picks and two starters. Like that's tough, tough to use or to come up with, I should say. That's why I'm kind of on the side that Deshaun Watson won't get traded. I mean, maybe Ryan Izzo will make me, maybe he'll be thinking like, who Ryan Izzo, I want to throw it to him. <laughs> he's my weapon. No way. But uh, no, the tech, the, he's absolutely going to get traded. Deshaun will get traded because the Texans, um, even though it's like doesn't major, they signed Tyrod Taylor the other day. I, yes, I did see so that. I wanted to talk I, about that. How I'm looking at it is that they signed Tyrod Taylor to be their quarterback next season. To replace they know They know at some point Watson is that pissed off at them. He's not going to play for them. And so instead of just letting him sit on the bench, get you have to get something. Because he's he's if he said it, that he's not going to play for the Texans ever again, he means it. So... That that's why he will get traded. To who we don't know. Hopefully the Patriots, maybe the Patriots. But uh, I mean he's not the only quarterback that I could see being here next season. So let's. I'm gonna start off with this. The Jacksonville Jaguars. They have signed a bunch of guys. They have more cap space than you did this off season than the Patriots did this off season. Mm-hmm. And they've made moves. They brought in some weapons. I don't know them off the top of my head, but they brought in weapons. They also had the first overall pick. And that first overall pick is likely going to be used on Trevor Lawrence, who was a really good quarterback. They have Gardner Minshew. Oh, Gardner I love Minshew, this. You already know it. Yeah, keep going. Gardner keep Minshew, going. <laughs> as good as a player he is, they don't need him to be a backup. Mm-hmm. So they are likely going to trade him and a team that could fit his him is the New England Patriots. And they've been taking calls. It was reported, I think, yesterday that they've been taking calls on Gardner Minshew. So hopefully the Patriots are one of them. But uh, what do you think about that, Gardner Minshew? Minshew so, mania. 
I remember talking about this on on one of my episodes about you know Gardner Minshew now being available because they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence, obviously. So is Minshew just going to be a backup? Sure, maybe. I mean, that's kind of what he was supposed to be, but he's shown that he can play. I mean, he's yeah. shown that he can actually throw the ball and make plays on a terrible Jaguars team. And I and I went on to say, like, oh, if you can give him a couple pieces and put him with a great coach in Belichick, then he could become something. He could become someone. And I was a big advocate before, obviously, the Patriots re-signed Cam Noon that yeah. they should bring in Gardner Minshew because low-risk, high-reward, rookie contract. Um, he's got great fashion. He's got, he's got a nice little stash and the jorts. I mean, he's going to be a fan favorite around here because people love that stuff. I think there's nope. And, and even bring him in. You could draft someone else to play behind him or whatever, or if Minshew sucks, you put in the rookie. It's such a low risk, high reward because the Jaguars are going to draft a quarterback anyway. So there are no pressure to trade Minshew. It makes so much sense. You trade like a fifth round pick, fourth round pick or whatever. You bring in Minshew, but now that they have Cam Newton, I'm like kind of second guessing myself because I really feel like a lot of, you know, analysts and uh, reporters around the league really think that Cam Newton is the guy this year. They don't. They know absolutely nothing about Cam or the Patriots. They just I, know that because he's Cam Newton, that's all. Superman. That's all they need to know is that he's Cam Newton. They think he's still. They probably still think he has MVP season Cam Newton left in him, but he doesn't. We saw what he was last year. He sucks. He's not going to return to that. He's abysmal. And early in the season before he got COVID, he showed some nice flashes of of running the ball, but there was nothing of him passing the ball. And that's the biggest thing of why I didn't want him to come back is because he's not a passer. He can't throw 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 it. And bringing in tight ends. So they're obviously going to run more shorter routes than your receivers are, you know, helps. I mean, if you don't bring James White back, which is, you know, another tangent I can go on to, you know, be that, nice safety net in the backfield, you can't rely on Cam Newton to push the ball down the field. We saw it last year. It didn't work. Now, could things change over the course of a full off season with New England? Sure. But am I willing to bank on it? No. no and that's why I was a big advocate to move on from Cam Newton, whether it was Minshew or trading for Deshaun Watson, signing Tyrod Taylor, which I was a fan of, drafting a really? rookie in the draft. I like Tyrod Taylor. I mean, he shows a lot of good things. He's not going to win. He's not going to lose you any games. He can make some plays. He's smart with the ball. And when he's when he has started, he's shown some nice little flashes, whether it was up in um, Buffalo or, I guess, one game with the Chargers last year. Oh, with the Browns. When he was with the Browns, too, a couple of years ago. He was nice. He was nice. Yeah, he makes he, plays. Yeah, I guess he could have made a little sense here. But, uh, yeah, Cam, obviously my Minshew take made more sense before uh, we re-signed Cam Noon. But – as a fan, you did not want to see him back. I was pissed when I saw that they re-signed him. That mad, huh? As, yeah, I was okay. not happy. I'm, I'm okay. Don't get don't get me started on it. No, but, no, no. Uh, as like a non-biased Patriots fan, I was kind of expecting Cam to be brought back. I kind of expected him to be back because he was. Mm-hmm. A, it just seemed like a Belichick move, and obviously it happened. But now you need to look at a. Another quarterback. You have to look at another quarterback. You got to bring in another quarterback. Gardner Minshew would make sense being behind like a mentor of Cam Newton. I mean, Brian Hoyer, he's a free agent. You're, I'd let him walk, even though he's Michigan State dog. You got to let him go. <laughs> I told you, I'm not going to let it, I'm not going to let Michigan no, no, State no. go. I can bring it up every chance I got. Honestly, if, if you have the option to, you absolutely should. You, I want to might as well. 
I wanted to bring up Tory Krug when we were talking about the Bruins, but because if Michigan, Michigan State, State loses though in the game tonight, then I don't want to hear nothing of it. I want to hear no more Michigan State. Yeah, you know, if you were to be around me during this game tonight and they somehow lose, uh, yeah, it's not great. <laughs> but uh, getting back to the Patriots, Brian Hoyer, he's probably going to be walk. He would probably walk. Yeah, there's no need know. to have him. I don't know what the hell they're going to do with Jared Stidham. I don't know what their plan is with Jared Stidham. Uh, but I saw some breaking news. Mitch Trubisky to the Bills. That's wow. He's going to learn behind Josh Allen. That's That makes not a lot of sense. I mean, is it a one? No, it has to be know. a one-year deal. I mean, just no, to kind of refix his career a little bit. I've never liked Mitch Trubisky. I've never liked him coming out of uh, UNC. Just he played a couple games and that was it. He was taken over Patrick Mahomes. Don't forget that. Yeah, I never let that die. I don't know what it's like to be a Bears fan. They just can't get anything right. No, I mean, and then they go out and sign Andy Dalton instead of trading for Russell Wilson. Yikes! What a time. Yeah. Um. But was Cam Newton like you? You what was your quarterback situation? Brian Hoyer is gone. I don't know what to do with Jared Stidham. Cam Newton, you, he can't be the only starting quarterback next year. You got to bring in somebody else to be, to be the backup. Gardner Minshew would make more sense because he's on his rookie contract still, um, so you're not paying him all that much. Uh, and uh, with Deshaun Watson, even though it's a major contract, you would still it would still fit in the cap, and then uh, you could still sign another guy. And with I'm- Cam. It would be a good – I think it would be a good two-QB system, uh, Cam and Deshaun, put them out there at the same time. Or not at the same time, but, like, back and forth. Yeah, yeah. I, like – I, I'm only convincing myself that the signing of Cam is okay. Or I guess I should say the re-signing of Cam is okay if they take a quarterback in the draft. Have to have – I mean, whether it's Stidham, they bring in Minshew, or they sign somebody, somebody else, you have to have a quarterback behind them because – I think we can both agree that Jared Stidham's not the guy. And if he was the guy, I don't think Cam Newton would have been here last year. Well, we don't we know nothing about him. Nor so I'm not if, ready to say he's not the guy. I mean, I just feel like though he would have had more more play last year if Belichick had high hopes for him. I mean, if Belichick thought that he was the guy, then maybe Cam Newton wouldn't be here. We've seen some nice flashes and nice plays of Jared Stidham before, yes. But is it enough? I mean, he throws a good ball. Don't get me wrong. He can throw a very good ball. But that does nothing if you don't have the other intangibles as a quarterback. I really still have high hopes for Jared Stidham. He's going into year three. We'll see what he can do. He's been behind Brady. He's been behind Newton now. If you want to take Brian Hoyer's you know, mentorship for anything, that might mean something to, to him. It's just very interesting to see Jared Stidham in a situation because the beginning of last offseason, he was the heir to Tom Brady. Yeah. Then he, Then they bring in Cam Newton. And now he's kind of like muddled in the middle because there's a bunch of conversation now around Cam Newton, bringing in another quarterback, drafting another quarterback. We'll just have to see what the Patriots do with that second quarterback spot because bringing it back Cam Newton kind of puts a wrinkle in that in terms of Stidham's development, drafting a quarterback, signing somebody else, trading for somebody else. It'll be very, very interesting to see what the quarterback room looks like come the preseason or even just week one. Yeah. Now, quarterback is something that's, I mean, it's a big mess right now. Like, you have to bring in another quarterback. You absolutely have to. Just because you re-signed Cam Newton doesn't mean that you're going to rely on him all season. 
-hmm. He's going to struggle. He's absolutely going to struggle. I want to see another guy with him. Deshaun Watson for that two QB system, maybe. Gardner Minshew for an emergency backup or to replace him for a game, maybe. Drafting a guy. Let's talk about the draft end. So, obviously, unless you trade up, you're not getting any of the top quarterbacks. No. You're not getting any of the top quarterbacks. So, I mentioned this yesterday. The quarterback that I'm eyeing the most, he may not be a big name, but I like what I've seen from him. I like what I saw from him this season. Okay. Kellen Mond of Texas A&M. He... He has a lot of good flash, and I think a lot of people are undervaluing what he can bring because he he's played at a good school, a reputable school, Texas A and M. Obviously, he's not, there. exactly, and like obviously, it's very hard to judge you know quarterback play in college because there's not a lot of good defense. Quarterbacks that play well in college don't necessarily translate to the NFL, but I think Kellen Mund has some good intangibles to be an NFL quarterback. I mean, he's no Trevor Lawrence. He's no Zach Wilson, obviously. And you're not going to get any of those guys, like you said, unless you trade up, which the Patriots could easily do and draft maybe the last one of the group of five. But, you know, whether it's Trey Lance or Mac Jones, Justin Fields, are you going to be happy with that, depending on what you have to give up? Sure. But is it worth it, though? And that's why I think regardless of where this quarterback comes from in the draft, the Patriots need to draft one. Either way, if Cam Newton's going to be the starting quarterback, and I do like Kellen Mond, I really do. I think, like I said, I think he's very undervalued. He put up the um, school records, like you mentioned, and he's played there. I mean, he's a senior, right? He's a yeah. senior. He's a senior. So, I mean, he's played four years there, and he's got that experience. And I'm a firm believer that seniors out of college for um, football and basketball are smarter players. They may not be better, but they're at least smarter players than those yeah. who come out earlier. And I would not be against it if, you know, Kellamund is a Patriot, maybe in the third round. I, it seems like kind of where he might land, third, fourth round. Yeah, that's what it, the, like, the projection I'm looking at says, like, 126. So, so I mean. Whatever, whatever round that is. Uh, with the comp, comp picks, I think that pushes it to the fourth round. But, I mean, that's okay. That works for yeah. me. Definitely. But, so, um, yeah, I saw a couple of his games this season. Uh, he looked good. He looked really good. He was a big reason why uh, Texas A&M came back to beat UNC in the Orange Bowl. Mm -hmm. He played a big reason in that. Um, and, I mean, they won 14-1. and one. They only lost to Alabama, the national champions. Uh, my co-host and guy in Sports Pod Radio, Josh, he's a big Florida fan. Uh, they, beat, <laughs> they beat Florida week three. And, I mean, I... He, wasn't, he wasn't happy about that game, obviously, but he liked what he saw from uh, Kellen Mond. In that game, and yeah, I feel like that he's gonna have a great career. He's gonna mm -hmm. have he's gonna have a great career. He's gonna be like the uh, the like quarterback you did, that you didn't expect to succeed, but did succeed. Um, I think I with Kellen that. with Kellen Mond, his um, he did play so well, and your your co-host isn't gonna like this, but I really think Texas A and M should have been the four four seed, and. Oh, and uh, Florida should have been out, and they should have been the fifth playing in the Orange Bowl. I think if Kellen Mund and, the, um, and Texas A&M were in the college football playoffs. They should have, not Notre we, Dame. We, yeah, and Notre Dame, too. Uh, yeah, we could have seen um, Texas A&M, you know, and we could have saw Kellen Mund on the big stage. His draft value could have gone up a little bit more. 
And that's who I meant to say, Notre Dame. Thank you. And we could have saw his draft value go up. And now maybe we're looking at a second round pick because if you make some plays on the biggest stage, that helps drive draft value. I mean, you look at Justin, um, Justin Fields, he made huge plays in um, the semifinals game and he's a potential top five pick. I mean, a lot of people have him on the bubble um, of five, 10, 15, whatever, but Kellamon could have been in that same conversation as the sixth best quarterback. But now you're kind of looking at him as the eighth best quarterback and that's unfortunate, but I mean, if he falls to the third, fourth, fifth round to the Patriots, you're getting a diamond in the rough there. So, and you, they need to take it, and, and they yeah. have to take it. I mean, we saw um, Jake Fromm from Georgia fall to the fifth round to the Bills, and Jake Fromm had a phenomenal freshman year of college, and then sophomore, junior, he kind of falls he off. Fell apart. He was he was horrible. He fell apart, but if a player falls like that, who has the potential and we've seen the potential from, from at least his first year play very well. What's the, what's so bad about taking a, a chance on that and not saying that Telemann's a chance, but you kind of have to do worth, it. It's a risk worth taking low risk, high reward, because at the end of the day, you're spending a mid round pick on him. Maybe. So what? It's not like you're spending a top two pick on him or a top two round pick on him. Yeah. Might as well do it. He could be the future of the quarterback, uh, future quarterback of the Patriots. Learning behind Cam Newton wouldn't be terrible. Yeah, and that's what exactly where I was just about to go. So he's a, he's a good rushing quarterback. Uh, in his career, he had, uh, where is it, uh, over 1,500 yards rushing, a uh, couple touchdowns. So I'd say putting him behind Cam Newton, probably one of the best rushing quarterbacks of all time mm-hmm. it's great it's great development great mentorship it's something that would benefit him really well being behind one of the best rushing quarterbacks of all time because he obviously has the skills to do it i mean he ran at one point the most rushing yards in a game was 117 the last game of his junior season yep he ran for 117 yards something like that is really good especially in like the sec there's not so many rushing quarterbacks as there are like throwing quarterbacks like you're really more of a power thrower than runner that's more reserved for like the pac 12 uh big 12 so him coming out of the sec there's also a lot of sec quarterbacks that are good some good sec quarterbacks in the league right now Mm -hmm. sec is a far superior conference for college football it's if you go to the sec no matter what school in in that conference you're you know you're doing something right if you went to an SEC school. Exactly. And that's another reason why, you know, Kalamund kind of looks nice is because he's played against a tough competition, especially with COVID, where it's a conference-only schedule. You know, you're playing Alabama, you're playing LSU. I mean, the competition doesn't get any better than that. I mean, LSU wasn't that good this year, but, yeah, you know, the point stays the same. same. The point stays the same. Yeah. But, um, in, like, at Texas A&M, uh, they had they hired Jimbo Fisher a few years ago, so they're kind of in a little bit of a rebuild uh, to bring in recruits, uh, having guys come to a Texas A&M that wouldn't originally go there because of Jimbo Fisher's name value. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Texas A&M, they're going to have a good couple of years ahead of them. So this last season where they go, uh, what was it, 7-1, and 8-1? and one? I forget what it was, but uh, I'm not about to count all the Ws on my screen. It's a it's a good school for a quarterback to be coming out of right now. And I'd mm-hmm. say that just because the one season that he really shines, it's his senior year. That's another risk worth taking because they're building up. They had some great 
uh, running backs, receivers. So I'm happy for, I'm looking forward to what Texas A&M has to build, maybe more future quarterbacks that the Patriots could be possibly looking at if things don't work out. But him nine coming out. By the way. What? Nine and one, Texas A&M. All right, yeah. Nine and one. Yeah, there's a bunch of Ws on my screen. I mean, they deserve it on there. Some, something in one with that one L. Yeah. But no, I completely I, agree with you. I, I really yeah. do. And I still stay. I mean, is trading up for a quarterback really worth it off face value? No. Yes. Well, off face value, well, well, yes. Yeah, yes. But when you look at the Patriots situation, when you have Cam Newton for one more year, and then what other other moves that may be made, and if you if Kellen Munn falls, okay, now you know it's not worth it. You can take, you know, that. 15th overall and get Micah Parsons or a receiver or something. I mean, maybe not a receiver at this point when you just signed two guys, but I mean, the point stays the same. It's not worth it for the Patriots at anymore. So I'm so happy you actually brought up Kellen Mund because I was going to try to convince myself that, you know, trading up was the way to go. But when you look at the rest of the quarterback class, five guys could easily go in the top 10 and And they will. And they, and they will, and they absolutely will, because it's a quarterback-driven league. Quarterback's the most important position in all of sports, and if you don't have a quarterback, you're porked. You're screwed. Yeah. And tons of teams need quarterbacks. I mean, you see quarterbacks being traded. You see quarterbacks rumored to be traded, signing everywhere. I mean, but when you can guarantee yourself one, I mean, even if you have to spend a third-round pick on the guy, just even if you have to, like, it's you awesome. know, reach, even if you have to reach, do it. Do it because you're going to make all of us Patriot fans happy because we'll have a future to look forward to because we all know Cam Newton is not the future. He's not. He's a nice little bridge guy who can make some flashy plays, though he can't throw. He's not the worst quarterback out there. But when you draft a guy like Kellen Mund, even if you were to go to trade up for somebody, there's still a future. But if you can get Kellen Mund in the third round by, you know, there's a future for it's in us to look at. So that's what I stand on. Yeah, when you said – was it worth it to trade up for a quarterback? And I said, no, I was talking about this season with the Patriots because I was not, I did not want them to trade up for a quarterback. Uh, I think all the teams that are in desperate need of a quarterback, which isn't so much you, but the teams that are in desperate need of a quarterback are going to make those moves to trade up. Exactly. Uh, and then what do you got for those picks for yeah. that pick? Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Mac Jones. I'm not a fan of Mac Jones. I feel like really? he's, over, he's he's overhyped. He's so overhyped. Okay. He's a second or third round quarterback. And he's wow. going to go top 15. He's going to go top 15. See uh, Justin Fields. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, all those guys, they're going to get drafted by the teams that really need them. Even Mac Jones, who really should not be drafted as high as he's going to be drafted. I'm not a fan of his. He was in a all time offense. He was on an all time offense for one year. I don't, it does, it just doesn't make much sense for, to me, why he should be drafted right now, because he really has not proved himself, himself. Mm-hmm. He's on a great team, surrounded by great guys. If an NFL team can draft all those guys and Mac Jones, maybe it'll work out, but it's not. So I'm not, that's why I'm not a fan of Mac Jones. He's just being overhyped. He's not worth a first round pick. He's a second or third round pick. I was anti-Mac Jones the end of college football season, early into the off season. And then I, you know, you hear reports, rumors, you know, you watch a little bit of extra film and you kind of start to understand, you know, he brings, you know, he's a very smart quarterback. He doesn't make bad passes. He doesn't throw the ball away or he doesn't throw it to the other team. I should say, 
And yes, he had Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle to throw the ball to. And when college football defense is not really a thing, those guys are open all the damn time, especially when they're that good. So yes, I mean, Mac Jones' performance has been skewed a little bit because of who he was around. You look at Tua last year, had the same supporting cast with the exception of a couple of drafted receivers. And look at him now, he's underperforming. Obviously, you know, coming off injury, no receivers in Miami. So is Tua even a bust and a product of the system? Maybe. I mean, that's a conversation that's going to have to be had very shortly. Could Mac Jones be the same thing? Absolutely. I mean, he, he's not mobile. He can't run. So you have to rely on him throwing the ball. And if you just give him an average, a- average weapons around him, is he going to be able to make those same plays that he did in Alabama? That's, that's very up in the air. So I completely agree with your, your take that, you know, he's going to be well, you know, drafted ahead of where he should be, but in a league where quarterbacks are so important, teams are going to be taking that chance. But I do think that he is the smartest quarterback in the room. He does remind me a lot more of your traditional pocket quarterback. Uh, I don't want to make the comparison, but just the type of player like a Tom Brady, where it's just stationary, you throw the ball. He reminds me of that kind of guy. I mean, Tom Brady Matt doesn't Jones move. Jones and Tom Brady in the same sentence. Wow. Tom Brady doesn't move. Peyton Manning doesn't move. They're both stationary pocket quarterbacks. And Mac Jones is the same thing. So it can work, at least here in New England, because you had a, a immobile quarterback for 20 years. So if, if Belichick was to bring in Mac Jones, for example, it could potentially work. But at the end of the day, I don't think he's worth it either, even though I've tried to convince myself that it is. But when you bring up the idea of a Kellen Mond in the third round, that's way too good. That's way yeah. too good. It's calling the Patriots. It's calling the Patriots. And it's probably, it's calling, to be realistic, it's also calling a bunch of other teams. Um, not just the Patriots mm-hmm. who need a quarterback. It's calling a bunch of other teams who could use a guy like him two or three years down the road. But uh, in any case, those are the quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson, Gardner Minshew, Kellen Mond. One of those three quarterbacks has to be on this team by the start of the season. Absolutely. Otherwise, I'm going to Jared Stidham. <laughs> Jared Stidham. Honestly, I would, I would be okay with it because we know absolutely nothing about him. Mm-hmm. So to put him out there to start a couple of games, I'm okay with it. I wanted to see him. I wanted to see him start the Jets game, the last one of the season. I want to see him start the last two games when the Patriots were eliminated from the playoffs. Throw exactly. him in there. See what you got. I mean, you have nothing it, to play for. Why are you com- trying to compete? It's the exactly. Belichick mindset. It's the Belichick mindset. You go out there to win. Never, You never go out there to intentionally lose. You go out there to win. And that's he's going to follow that until the day he retires. So day I wasn't, he dies. I was going to say the day he dies, but I mean, he's going to retire soon. He's not going to live out his life coaching. How many more years do you think he has? I think I said this on the radio yesterday. Uh, I think like three or four, three okay. or four years, which is like the same amount of time to build a championship caliber team around Deshaun Watson. Uh, and then after that Super Bowl, he'll probably call it a career. I'm thinking whenever, whenever he can get past uh, Don Shula for the most wins, was it? Yeah, he has three forty ones. So whenever you can get to three forty two at the end of that season, I think is when Bill will call it. Whether it's in three, four years, whether it's in seven, eight years, I think that's Bill Belichick's goal. Maybe. Yeah, I forgot about that. So that would also make a lot of sense. I also think he wants to just prove that it wasn't all Tom Brady. Like, I I'm, I stay away from that argument about who was the real one, Tom Brady or Bill Belichick. 
Mm -hmm. I'm staying away from that because they're both incredible during this time span. I so. agree. I agree. And I was a big proponent that it was both of them. I mean, why can't it be 50-50? Guy who makes the game plan, guy who executes it. Why can't it be that way? And then you see Brady go to the Bucs and win a Super Bowl, and now the conversation favors in Tom Brady's. And the one thing I will always say against Bill Belichick is look at his career before the Patriots. What kind of coach was he then? Look at the team he had before when he came to the Patriots before Brady. What kind of coach was he then? Then Tom Brady steps in. That's kind of why I skew Brady, but obviously this is an argument for another day, which we won't get into, but I just got to lay the groundwork for that. I still think at the end of the day that it was 50-50, but definitely. a lot of people would disagree with that. Definitely. It was definitely 50-50, but yeah, there had to most people, there has to be one clear cut, good, the better person who was better. There has mm -hmm. to be somebody like that. All right. So we were just talking about quarterbacks. Uh, let's get over to who really the free agency and who they've signed so far. So it's also, oh it, my god it started off with Matthew Judon linebacker uh, and then it was John Smith uh, the list keeps going on but the most surprising signing to me was Hunter Henry I was not at all expecting this to happen I oh. after the John Smith signed I thought all right now they're done with tight ends I still thought there was a chance that they would draft Kyle Pitts with 15 overall that was my original uh, plan was for them to draft Kyle Pitts. Once they draft tied, once they signed John Smith, I thought there was a small chance of Kyle Pitts being drafted, but then they bring in Hunter Henry. And that just really came out of nowhere. Out of nowhere too. And like you would think that they would either invest that money elsewhere to maybe uh, you know Kenny Galladay or a receiver. Exactly. But instead, especially after signing John Smith, if they sign one or the other, we're happy with that. And next you thing you know, the they're best. signing they're signing both the best two tight ends on the market right now who are both getting the same amount of money. And it's like, whoa, wait a second. We might see a completely different offense because who did you bring in for wide receiver? Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. Like let's, let's slow down with there. Julian Edelman is older. He's, you know, a shell of himself at this point. It's going to be a two tight end formation for the Patriots the entire way next year. And that's going to cause matchup problems for other teams because Either you have a linebacker or a safety traditionally on a tight end. And if they throw safeties on them, the Patriots are going to, uh, the defense will have to be in a, at least a nickel set, which would make mix, mix matches for, you know, then you throw in the run game and those two guys can block. It's like, whoa, we might see a completely different team um, offensively from the Patriots, especially if Cam Newton's the starting quarterback, as I've said, and we both agree on, he can't throw the ball downfield. Yeah. So, I mean, thinking of, like, tight ends, like, you'd think there's going to be a lot more uh, red zone production because, like, with a tight end, it would be more short passes. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where Cam Newton could possibly excel with them. But, I mean, otherwise, I'm not I'm not really a big fan of Hunter Henry. I feel, like he, I feel like he was a little overrated. I mean, I looked at the stats and looking at him before and just knowing about him before, his most receiving yards in the season was 652. Uh, the most touchdowns in the season was eight. Now it's his rookie year in 2016. Since then, he has only the most in the season is five. Uh, he tore his ACL in 2018, so who knows? That's there tough. Could be, there could possibly be some uh, future uh, injury-prone possibilities down the issues road. Issues there, yeah. Yeah, issue, issues. Um. And everything else, it just is not appealing to me. He Syracuse, hasn't played a full 16 game season yet. 
Yeah. And I mean, that just banks off of that durability point that you were making with his injuries. It's like, how durable is he going to be? And there's a lot yeah. of questions there with his health, but if you put him in the right system, could it happen? Could it be poor quarterback play in San Diego and in Los Angeles? Maybe. Yeah. And that was another point that I brought up was the quarterback play. I was Philip Rivers for like four years. Uh, and then a rookie, Justin Herbert, who, even though he really excelled, um, the whole system was a masculine coaching staff. Mm-hmm. So really everything that was around him could possibly be a reason why he didn't achieve a potential that he hadn't reached yet. So signing him with the Patriots, it does make sense because hopefully, and maybe Belichick will tap that untapped potential. Um, but as of right now, I'm not a fan of it because that potential hasn't been proven to me yet. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in saying that, I want to see him do good. I hope he does good. But I have no, I have low expectations right now for him. This reminds me a lot of when the Patriots signed Stephon Gilmore right as free agency started a few years ago, where Gilmore was a really good cornerback, but he wasn't who he is now. Um, Gilmore was obviously younger then, and it was a big investment because Belichick was kind of banking on that pot- untapped potential yet, and, you know, obviously not being in the Patriots system. And could we see the same thing with Hunter Henry where he becomes a top five tight end? Absolutely. I mean, he has the skill set. He has everything you want from a tight end, and he just needs to put it together. Could have been the, the shitty coaches that were out in um, L.A., you know, Anthony Lynn. You could point to that reason. Absolutely. You could point to the ACL reason, but that also brings up other concerns. Like we've mentioned, I really, it's not that I don't like this signing. It's just a weird signing, especially when you sign John U. Smith a day before it's like, why both? Like, why not just get the one and then use that money elsewhere? But I mean, who no. knows? I mean, this, this could be, you know, Belichick, you know, trying to refigure his offense to fit Cam Newton. And, you know, kind of rolling with, you know, who they brought in at wide receiver as supplements to, you know, Henry Smith. But it's going to, it's very confusing. It's very interesting. And I know a lot of people, uh, a lot of teams, you know, liked Hunter Henry. And it is very surprising that the Patriots were the ones that ended up getting him and, you know, giving him that kind of money when you already had John U. Smith. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, right now, they haven't. They have a lot of room cap space. Again, if you bring in Deshaun Watson, his massive contract, you still have enough room for a major contract. Mm-hmm. I want them to go after a wide receiver. I Curtis do too. Samuel, Curtis Samuel signed with the Redskins last night. Um, so that mean really means Kenny Galladay is the one named wide receiver that is available. Still out there, yeah. Yeah, that's still out there. So I want the Patriots to really pursue him because I want a big name receiver, not a tight end, a big name wide receiver. You and me both. Yeah. And so this is obviously you was, you know, all the room that you have, it would work. But obviously after these two tight end signings, it doesn't make sense for me for them to bring in a major wide receiver like this. Could they, the way they've been going around throwing money around. Seems it, like they'll bring in anybody. It, it, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me, but it, I want. I wish they focused on the wide receiver position more than just Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. Ugh. What about Will Fuller? Nelson, Will Fuller. I mean, his best season was this season, and he was on drugs. <laughs> He's on drugs. He bring was him, injured. I'm, I'm good. Him in, I, I could bring him in. 
I could bring him in, but it would be for something low, and he's probably not going to get something low. Yeah. So. And it just it puzzles yeah. me so much. I mean, because you know, the last report I saw, the Patriots were one of the top three teams to land Kenny Galladay, and you know, money's not an issue right now apparently for for the Patriots. But you would think they would have used that money that they used on Henry to you know push for Kenny Galladay, especially after getting Jonu Smith to you know really solidify a whole offense, just so it's not you know, under, you know, basically one position, the tight end is your strongest position right now. Obviously you want a well-versed um, offense where it's so unpredictable does bring in Hunter Henry, make that offense unpredictable. Sure. But your receivers though, I mean, Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, you could have used that money and got yourself a Kenny Galladay. Would you rather have two B players and, or one A player goes to the same point we made with the Celtics earlier. I'd rather have that one A player and that's Kenny Galladay. So yeah. hopefully <laughs> hopefully there's still another big move for the Patriots to make. If it's not Kenny Galladay, can we really be upset with everything else that they've done? No, but just bringing in Kenny Galladay, Will Fuller. If you want to entertain Juju Smith-Schuster, sure, but there's still definitely another shoe to drop. It seems like. Yeah. So talking about wide receivers, uh, he's not a free agent. You would have to trade for him. Who? Odell. Oh, OBJ. I, I love these. Even when he was with the Giants, I loved the idea of Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, he brings a lot of things that you don't have. You don't have the quickness. You don't have the flash. You don't have like that swagger, that attitude. Um, yes, you can argue that he bitches and complains sometimes, but I think that the production that he is capable of bringing is well worth it. You put him in, in the same building as Bill Belichick, sharpens him up nicely, uh, he probably wants to win at this point. He's already has that big contract extension that he got from the Giants. He does a ton of endorsements. I don't think money is the number one factor for him right now. He wants to solidify himself as one of the greats and win a Super Bowl. Could that be in Cleveland? Sure, but it feels like that they might be trying to move on from him one way or another. Coming off an ACL injury could be a lower price tag for him in terms of trading. I would love that idea. I really would. Yeah, I mean, there's been... Uh, pictures out on social media of Odell training with Cam, Julian Edelman, uh, and somebody else from the Patriots. So it, I feel Ooh, like that could be like I saw a, that too. Yeah, I feel like that could be um, like a possible sign of wanting of Odell wanting to be with Cam, Cam wanting Odell. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would also look great for Cam because he would have a big name wide receiver to throw to who can get out there and make the tough catches that result from cam make throwing the ball poorly so yeah i wonder if cam is talking to belichick about pushing for odell just because he would make cam look better i mean i would be totally Especially okay now that he resigned with the patriots exactly i would be totally okay if the patriots traded that 15th overall for odell beckham jr just straight up yeah i would be totally okay with that because Besides defensive help, what are you really going to get at that spot in the draft? Because the off, it's so offensive heavy, the top you know part of the draft, and you've already made a huge amount of noise on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you brought back Kyle Van Noy, um, Jalen uh, uh, Jalen Mills. You signed um, David Godchow. You signed, so you've made noise there on defense. Dante Hightower's back. Yes, Micah Parsons, who it seems like it's projected to go at 15 to the Patriots, would be a nice linebacker from Penn State. But is he going to throw you over the hump? Maybe, maybe down the line. But if you're looking at right now, I think right now, 
trading that 15th overall for Odell makes a lot of sense, especially when you have two A tight ends. You bring in Odell, pair him up with Julian Edelman. You got Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. Maybe Nikhil Harry does something at this time. I mean, who knows? Forget Nikhil Harry. He's such a bomb. He's such a bust. I mean, maybe you can package him up and try to ship him and get something back in return, but then, you know, it doesn't look good on Bill in terms of drafting. We can only hope and pray that he does something, but I have low, 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 low expectations for him. Absolutely. He would probably be in a trade with Odell. That way you're you're killing a wide receiver back. That You know what? I'd be fine with that. I liked Jacoby Myers last year. He took us by surprise. Yeah, and Demir Bird a little bit. Demir Bird is a free agent. I don't expect him to come back. Jacoby Myers, maybe he'll possibly get traded just because of who you brought in so far and mm-hmm. who else you already have on the roster. Um, but yeah, Odell, I think would be a perfect fit here. I mean, he already has a good relationship with Cam off the field. Yep. So on the field, it would probably excel. He would be a good pairing with the tight ends. Because like you mentioned earlier, when talking about the tight ends and Kenny Galladay, if you just brought in one tight end and Kenny Galladay, your whole offense is wrapped up. Now that you have two, and if you're about to trade for a solid wide receiver in Odell, I mean, it's over the top. It's double knotted. It's double knotted wrapped up. And bringing in another star receiver, it has to be a receiver, not a tight end at this point, obviously. It would also help with the deficiencies of Cam Newton throwing the ball because you have more options. You can make routes, you know, that are shorter, you know, screen plays, you know, digs across the middle of the field, throw them and let the receiver make the play. Uh, Obviously screens, like I mentioned with the halfbacks, tight end screens, all that good stuff would really significantly help, you know, Cam Newton become more comfortable since he's getting bashed upon so much for not being able to throw the ball as well as maybe he once did in Carolina. But double knotted with, you know, Odell or Kenny Galladay makes a lot of sense. It just, it would really put the Patriots back in that elite conversation for a Super Bowl, even with Cam Newton as a quarterback. Does it put you over the top um, comparison to the Chiefs? No, no absolutely no not. But it puts you right back in the d- division conversation, though, and it puts you as a top three seed. Um, well, yeah, you got to win the division to get yeah. a top four seed. So it puts you right back there. You get a home game. But, we just got to see what Bill Belichick does. He, you know, he's had a quiet couple of days now, it seems. Made a few minor moves, but I still think there's one more shoe to drop, whether it's through free agency or maybe uh, trading leading up to the draft. Yeah, and I'm more, I'm more expecting now. I am more expecting a trade uh, than a signing because mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like Kenny Galladay is really exploring his options. Uh, it was just reported that he spent last night in Chicago. Talking to the Bears, so they're trying him to get and him. Allen Robinson, ooh, isn't he? he got, I thought he was available. He signed a franchise tag. Uh, oh, he did. Yeah, so he's back with the Bears. You know, it's kind of ass for him. And now they got Andy Dalton throwing the ball. It's like, ugh. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about Andy Dalton. I kind of liked him when he was on the Bengals, but I mean, I was younger back then, so. Uh, It'll be case, very interesting wherever Kenny Galladay ends up because at this point he is the big ticket free agent that any team should be after. Yeah, and it sounds like the Giants are really front runners. Uh, oh, that'd be a waste. Yeah, that'd be a waste. Well, I don't know what they're doing over there. I guess they really like Daniel Jones. I don't know how to feel about him right now. I haven't really seen much. I don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, talking about the Patriots and the offense a little more, the running back position. James White, like, just going to say it. Keep going. You a fan of his? I love James White. He he is the glue to the offense. He he is. He is the glue to the offense. He is the safety net. He can do everything. He's not good running the ball, but he can pick up blitzes. He can do your screens. He can run receiving routes. Yeah, he's a pass catching back. He is everything you want from a pass catching back. You'll go from Kevin Falk to Shane Vereen to James White. There's no one behind James White to replace him if another team scoops him up and you move on from him. You're going to have a massive hole on that offense because the pass catching running back has been a part of the Patriots offense for almost 20 damn years. You have no one else behind. Do not tell me Shoney Marcel. Don't tell me Damian William, um, Damian Harris. Excuse right, me. So I'll stop you right there. I'll stop you right there. And I'm not. I'm not talking about Sony Michelle because although I feel like he has a little bit left in him, uh, he, yes. has, he has he has to prove himself. I feel like he kind of rebounded last year, but he needs to still prove himself. But Damian Harris is where great. He's at. Great running back. I just he's not a pass catcher. You don't need to be a pass catching running back. If no. your position is named running back, you don't need to be that good at catching passes if you're a running back. It's a benefit, definitely benefit. But on offense with possibly Kenny Galladay or Odell, uh, Hunter Henry, Joni Smith, there's more, a bunch of options out there. Adding a running back who can catch passes is like an insurance policy. What's wrong with an insurance policy when you have a quarterback well, that can't throw? Obviously, there's nothing wrong with that, but... I'd rather be able to see a running back run the ball than catch the ball. That's my priority right now when it comes to a running back position mm-hmm. is their running ability. And I think Damian Harris has what it takes, even though we didn't see him for a full year for some reason a couple of years ago. <clears throat> Michelle's had his struggles. Damian Har- I feel like Damian Harris, what we saw from him last year, it wasn't much, nothing flashy. But he it was a good, good. It, it was a good sign to me that he could potentially fulfill a career in the NFL. And so yeah. I, want to see, I want to see them protect Damian Harris, maybe Sony Michelle, just Ugh. a little. Just, I, he wasn't, I was not a fan of his, but he kind of brought me back to him last year. Not a he, lot. He I definitely he had has some a left left. He yeah. has a little left to do to work on. Um, other than that, if he does, if it doesn't work out, if he completely falls apart again this year, get him out of here just like Jeff Teague or Grant Williams or Kemba Walker. Get him out. Get him out. <laughs> Anyone else? Um, uh, good question. Not, not, not at the Tristan moment. Thompson. Maybe he was decent. All right, get him He's out. a decent. He's a decent. Get him out. Get him out. But if Sony Michelle falls apart again and just struggles, definitely get him out. I like Damian Harris. If Sony Michelle can do good keep him i'm not too concerned about james white it sounds like he wants to go to tampa bay because it would be in florida and closer oh. to his parents it would be closer to his parents and they had the tragic accident a few months ago that took his mother's life um so that would make a lot of sense to me and i feel like that is going to happen just because family is a big thing i think he is a big family man um so yeah, Tampa makes a lot of sense. And it also helps that <clears throat> Tom Brady is also down there. They just came off a Super Bowl. They could kind of use that, you know, pass catching running back as well. I mean, that's a huge part of Tom Brady's offense even. So, I mean, that just makes a whole lot of sense, especially when bringing back Gronkowski and Antonio Brown are question marks. I mean, they just tagged Chris Godwin. They could use that kind of a weapon. I mean, 
they can push the ball down the field boat. You know, that short, that short game is huge for Tom Brady, as we know for 20 years. And he would love a player like that. Yeah. James they White. Lo- they could be losing Leonard Fournette also. Exactly. So, so I mean, you, you, coming back in. and LaShawn McCoy, I mean, he was nothing. He was a flat zero awesome. for the, for the box. So it's like, uh, James White down there would make so much sense for uh, many other reasons, like like you mentioned. And if I'm James White, I'm I'm entertaining that because look at the Patriots. Yeah, they made a bunch of moves, but you know you've been in this building now for what six years? It seems like I, you don't have a problem moving on when you're moving on to or moving back to Tom Brady. I guess is is the is the claim here. It's super. I just I love James White so much because he is everything that the Patriots need him to be from that position for what he needs to do. And he does it so well. He's one of the best pass catching running backs. And yes, a running back runs the ball, but the Patriots have their best success when they can do it by running the ball and by passing the ball from the backfield. You see Deion Lewis, you saw Shane Vereen, James White, um, LeGarrette Blunt obviously wasn't a pass catcher, but he was that tempo man. You hand the ball off to James, uh, you hand the ball off to LeGarrette Blunt and you pass it to James White. That's just all part of the tempo. And I love that tempo idea with Damian Harris and James White. If they can replace James White, then I think losing him wouldn't be all too bad. But as it stands right now, there's no one just behind him in that role because that role is so important for this offense. Yeah. And they could they could also bring back Rex Burkhead. Uh, he tore his ACL last season, and he's a free agent, I'm pretty sure. Uh but they could possibly bring him up back. I liked what I saw from him last year. Mm-hmm. He was playing. Re- he was playing really good. So I hope they bring him back, because in that case you would have three capable starting running backs. Not so much Sony Michelle, but Damien Harris, Rex Burkhead, those two. That's really good enough. And then Sony Michelle is again there, and, and to think a decent running back. And to think the Patriots drafted Sony Michelle over Nick Chubb, just oh. that boils in me every day. Yeah. To think the Patriots drafted Nikhil Harry over uh, one, DK two, Metcalf, three, four, five, six, a number of different wide receivers. Mm-hmm. There's a, definitely a bunch of question marks when it comes to drafting and Bill Belichick. But as long as you win championships, I'm happy. The draft is yeah. irrelevant as long as you win titles. And right now, he needs to focus on the draft to win a title. So it, it's a completely it's different it spot. It's a completely different spot for Belichick this year. I mean, he's trying to buy a championship team. He's going to try to rebuild and retool the team in every way he possibly can because he doesn't want that notion that the dynasty was Brady because as it stands right now, it kind of looking like that. But Bill, Bill Belichick definitely has the opportunity to kind of rewrite people's minds and opinions about that. So it's definitely going to be completely uh, interesting to see what the Patriots do moving forward after making a massive splash already in free agency. Trading that uh, first round pick for whoever, somebody is definitely a great option because of the past um, drafting draft selections from Bill Belichick in the first round haven't been all that good. So it's something that's totally, you know, feasible and understandable if the Patriots do deem that way because Belichick can draft. And we've seen tons of examples of that where picks have become busted. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, as long as they're, as long as it's a, as long as it's a solid player who gets mm-hmm. to where you need to be. Make an impact. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a, be a big hit like a Tom Brady in the sixth round. I mean, just a decent player for a couple of years, and like the third round is good enough. And then he'll fizzle out somewhere else. But 
after yeah. he gets a big contract and then they exactly. just fizzle out. Yep. Exactly. We just need impact players at this point. Yeah. So that brings me over to the defense. Uh, they've made a couple signings. Matthew Judon, obviously. Dietrich Wise came back. Yep. Uh, Jalen Mills, Dave Hunt, Devon Godchow from the Dolphins. Kyle Van Noy is back. A two-year deal for him. I'm happy about that. I like yep. that. Yep. Uh, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to what the defense brings this season. I, they, oh, I, I was just going to say, I, I really feel like that this is going to be a exciting year for because there's so many do, new names on this defense. And yes, Kyle Van Noy is a familiar name, but you, you bring up the point, you know, um, Dave and Godchow, uh, was it Henry Anderson? They bring back Matt Judon. They, they brought in uh, Dietrich Wise. They brought back who's a familiar face, but the defense was so bad last year. Yes, they didn't have Hightower. Yes, they didn't have Chung, and they're not going to have Chung anymore because he just retired. But you look at Hightower now coming back. It's like, whoa, this defense has players on it now. And it's like that front four is better. That front seven's better. Your secondary has kind of improved with um, Jalen Mills, but, I mean, J.C. Jackson's still out there. So, I mean, if the Patriots bring him back, you know, that's going to be a question mark, what they do with that second cornerback position. A lot of rumors out there of trading Gilmore or, you know, just letting it ride out with that last year of his contract. So there's still some question marks, but I think the question marks are more in the secondary now than they were for the front seven of the defense because entering free agency, that was a huge problem. But now, a few days into free agency, I'm looking at the secondary now to make some moves. Yeah, so good thing you brought up the secondary. So with the 15th overall pick in this year's draft, there's a couple of defensive options around, around there. One of them being Patrick Sertan out of Alabama, the safety. Love him, love him. I, loved, I love him too. And so if they're to keep that pick, uh, I want. I would like to see them use it on Patrick Sertan. Uh, his dad played in the league, so football runs in the family. Uh, his few years at Alabama, he was productive. He was one of the better uh, safeties in the league or in the conference. Um, I think that it could just carry over. It could carry over into the NFL, and he would be a good guy for a contract or two. Mm-hmm. Then, then he'll maybe want to walk. Uh, for reasons unknown, or the Patriots will just let him walk. So I think he would be a good draft pick. It would also maybe be good for uh, Stephon Gilmore to like mentor him again. I'm big on mentorship. Mentorship. It's huge in sports. Older guys going after the the young guys, uh, teaching them the ways of the game. Yep. So Gilmore can mentor uh, Sertan. I just feel like with Patrick Sertan. Okay, finish your thought. I'm sorry. Not. yeah, I mean, with Sertan, he would just be a – he would str- probably struggle his first year getting used to the NFL, but after that, he'll really flatline and just be – not really incredible, but a solid safety for a couple of years. And, yeah, I'd, I would take him. I, I I love Patrick Sertan. I mean, obviously, I'm an Alabama guy, and, you know, being able to watch him shut down, you know, a side of the field or whatever was, you know – a spectacular watch, especially when I, you know, mentioned earlier that there's, you know, not a lot of defense in college football, but, you know, him, Caleb Farley, all, you know, probably the two top guys in the secondary, 
I just feel like, you know, if you're going to get one of those guys, you might have to trade up for him. Is that the case? Maybe, maybe not. It just going to really depends on how the draft plays out because if a lot of offensive players go, then, you know, those defensive players will drop back, you know, and that's kind of what's expected is to be offensive heavy top 10. Now we've seen mock drafts where, you know, certain goes 10, 11, 12, all the way up to, you know, past the Patriots. Exactly where is he going to fall? Who's better, him or Farley? It, it's a conversation that will last up until the draft. I love the idea of bringing in, you know, someone for the secondary right now because of what the Patriots have done thus far in free agency. Now, if we had this conversation a week ago, I'm not going to agree. I'm not going to say that because it feels like a secondary would be a strong, strong position for the Patriots. But now we're looking at it the way the team is now. It seems like it's not so much a strong position anymore. When you have Chung retiring, you have uh, JC Jackson possibly out the door. Stefan Gilmore, even though he's contract, he still might be out the door via trade. It's going to be very interesting to see what the Patriots do with that 15th pick, whether they trade up, trade down, stay where they are. For the most of the offseason thus far, I've said the Patriots should go offense, offense, offense. But now the more I think about it and more, you know, players are being signed and more reports are coming out. I'm leaning towards the defensive side of the ball with that 15th overall pick. Yeah. I mean, I just because of how much how well you signed offensively or making offensive signings so far. Yeah, if you have that 15th overall pick, I would like to see him maybe spend it on defense. Uh, the position unknown doesn't matter but when it comes to next season and how which side of the ball should play better I'd rather be closer to like 60 40 uh whatever it could be six like 60 40 70 70 30 um just because like I don't want too much focus to be on one side not the other absolutely so definitely like close maybe not even not even 70 30 like definitely 60-40, if not like 55-45. Yeah, and I mean, you see the Panthers last draft, they take all guys on defense, and it's like, whoa, wait a second, you know, you forgot one side of the ball there. But I mean, they made all their other moves, you know, you know, free agency-wise on offense. So there's that kind of a balance there. But, you know, when it comes to balance for the Patriots, they're in a completely different class of their own. And the Patriots, when it comes to, you know, finding balance, it feels like that it's usually one side of the ball plays better than the other when it comes to, their championship runs. I mean, you look at 2019, that was a defensive team. You look at 20, um, 2017, that was an offensive year. So it's like, where's the strength really going to lie with the Patriots? And obviously Bill Belichick would know that the best. And I think that's going to be the kind of position that he attacks this draft. Obviously he, we've seen yeah. him attack both sides of the ball, free agency, but after, after free agency, what is he going to do in the draft? Like I've mentioned, you know, I thought it was offense, but now it seems like it's going to be defense. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, you can go pee now. All right, I'm going to pause the uh, Zoom recording. Or do yeah. you want me to just keep it running? Uh, you can do whatever. All right, I'll just pause it. All right, so, I mean, other than that, I think that's all that we got right now. So, if um, you got anything else you want to, like, talk about or mention quickly, um, I guess? Right off the rip, I can't think of anything. I think we covered a lot of stuff. I mean, we covered, exactly. you know – Bold predictions. We covered hot takes, you know, obviously simple reports from all four teams. It's an interesting, exciting, frustrating, nerve wracking time to be a Boston sports fan, or even simply just, you know, be in the media talking about Boston sports fans, because there's so much news that's revolving around all yeah. four teams. 
And at the end of the day, you know, something could break and something could, you know, completely change, you know, our, our stance on a certain topic. So, so uh, something actually did just break. Oh goodness. Uh, now what? Adam Schefter, defensive end Montrevious Adams to sign with the Patriots on a one-year deal, two and a half million dollars. Okay. I got to look it up. Montre- and Will Fuller, Will Fuller to the Dolphins. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense for them. They need to start surrounding Tua with weapons. And could that be a prelude to a Deshaun Watson trade to Miami? I don't know. I mean, they yeah. played obviously together in Houston. That'll Good be point. interesting. That can make sense. That can make a lot of sense. So it's a kind of a win-win for the Dolphins. You either surround Tua with, you know, a talented receiver, or you try to lure Deshaun Watson to Miami, which I don't think he would, wouldn't mind going to. It's just luring the Texans to trade him. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking up Montrevious Adams right now. Uh, so he played, he's been playing since 2017. He's 20, um, I think he's 26 years old. He'll be 26 for next yeah. season. Uh, he played eight games last year. Uh, nothing impressive. Nothing fancy. Uh, 11 com- uh, yeah. combination 11. tackles, six solo. Ugh. Two tackles That's for a loss. I guess you'll take that. Yeah. So, yeah, no wonder it was like a short, small deal, right? One year, two and a half million, I think it was. Yeah. But he's young. He's coming from a good defense. Obviously, Packers had a great defense this past year. Um, Just another good body on that line. Like I said, he's young. So, you know, that one year could turn into a little extension. I think work is magic. Exactly. John Simon, Adam Butler, Lawrence Guy, um, they're all out. They're all out and replaced, and it's good to see because that line sucked last year, and replacing it was a must. Yeah, 6 4, 3 0, 4 defensive tackle. So he looked, sounds like he's a big guy, which is probably a good thing for the Patriots because they looked a little small on the line. And this is a big, this will be a big improvement. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. All right. Absolutely. Uh, so, actually, one more thing, I guess, before we wrap up. Absolutely. What's up? And your two months of hot uh, podcasting, what would you say is your hottest hot take? Oh, goodness. Um, my hottest hot take might what be. The, yeah, for like the past couple of days, like I've been big into like hot takes. I had the Deshaun Watson hot take, the Gardner Minshew hot take. I forget they're the third one. I've been big into like hot takes. Every yeah, past absolutely. Days, so. um, I know a hot take of mine. I I had uh, Georgia Tech in the Sweet 16. I think that's pretty hot. Um, I also think – oh, you got me on the spot now here. Jeez. Oh, type wrap of the show. I know, I know. I got Georgia Tech yeah. in the Sweet 16. If you want to think about it, uh, I'll go. I'll just put mine out there right now. Go ahead. So while you think about it, it's not so much of a hot take because I think a lot of Boston fans – feel this way but red sox upper management john henry's tom warner yep. i hate all of them and i want them gone out of here I, I want i just want i want them traded lebron traded james like takeover exactly. he's part owner of the Sox now so that was a shock i don't know how to feel about that but yeah tom warner john henry i hate all of them they're not impressive at all Mm-hmm. They don't know what they're doing. I feel like most of the time they feel like 
if we win a championship one year, we can suck for four or five years. Yeah. Then we'll, then we'll win another championship and then suck again, just so we can keep making more money and save money in every way possible. So yeah, I think that would be my hottest take of all time right now. Um, I think I I think yeah. I have one for baseball going into 2021, and I say this with a little um, uh, uh, prelude because I said that the Tampa Bay Rays were going to win the AL East last year. Obviously, the Yankees had a better lineup; they had a better team, and that take ended up coming to fruition where the Rays ended up getting to the World Series. Yeah. I don't think that it's going to be the Rays this year. And I know we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier with the Sox. I'm going to sit here and tell you right now. I like where this is going. <laughs> you are American League East division winner, the Toronto Blue Jays. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Red Sox. No, 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 no. I mean, it could be. It could be. But I think the Blue Jays is a little bit more of a hotter prediction. I mean, you can argue that the Red Sox could win. You could argue the Blue Jays could too. But we can also agree that the Yankees fall apart towards the end of the season, like they have for the past few years. It's it's clockwork for them. They can struggle. They can it, struggle at the worst times and benefit so, other teams. So them. the Rays, it was a hot take last year, the beginning of the last year, and I was on it all season long. Obviously, when COVID was you know happened, the season was canceled and the season came back. But for the full 162, your American League East Division winner will be the Toronto Blue Jays not the New York Yankees. So same thing as last year, but just with a different team. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it, it can make a little sense. I think I like that. I think I like that hot take. I might steal it. You, you absolutely should. I mean, I'm one for one so far, you know, I had the Rays last year and I'll have the Blue Jays this year. Keep that record. Perfect. Keep that record perfect. All right. Well, this was a lot of fun, James, a lot of fun, a lot of talking points, Red Sox. We hit all the sports. I also Sox, never do Bruins, that Celtics. Patriots, the draft, even yeah. nuts. And we talked about other teams. We talked about other teams, other players. Talked a little college basketball. Uh, Michigan State going to the Sweet 16. You heard it here first. And you know what? Actually, it's not so much of a hot take that I've had on the show, but last tournament, Michigan State would have absolutely won the tournament. They were so good. Mm-hmm. They had all the pieces put together. People don't believe me when I say that because it didn't happen, but. They absolutely won, would have won the national championship last year. I was so pissed that um, the tournament was canceled last year. I, I was, mean, there I was, was a too. lot of good teams that had a lot of good chances last year as well. And it just was, really sucks. Yeah, but, I, was sitting, I was sitting here recording an episode when I saw the tweet pop up that the March Madness had been canceled. I was not happy. But uh, that that's over a year ago. I can't believe it's been a year since that happened. It it, it 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 really this time really this year really flew by. It's been two years since the last tournament. It's like whoa, whoa, yeah. but it, wow, yeah. It was, so looking it was, forward to it. it. It was cool to watch uh, Selection Sunday again. Mm-hmm. Have not watched it in two years. Yeah, but yeah, this whole Corona thing, like it was cool to have that. It was, it wasn't cool. I don't know why I just said that. Whoa, so, whoa, whoa. So this whole I uh, know I should I probably didn't get edited. Uh, but this whole corona thing uh it's really flown by like this whole the year in between the first breakup to now like we got vaccines going it's been it's been fast it really has flown by fast not for probably most people but for me it has 
definitely. You're just, your head's down and you're grinding away the podcast, the radio. I mean, you're doing what you can do in, yeah. in the meantime. So I don't blame you. It's, it's, it's flying by for me too. I mean, it feels like it was just summer, but now we have yeah. summer approaching us. So hopefully, you know, this summer be a lot different than last summer and definitely we can be talking about the Patriots draft. We can be talking about the Bruins and the Celtics, you know, hopefully doing well in their respective playoffs and the Red Sox are playing well. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Look forward to that time. But, yeah, I mean, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you to all you guys listening. James, it was a pleasure. We got to do this again. Absolutely. We will have to be doing this again very soon, see if we can defend our takes or if we have to back them up further, you know, claim and admit that we were wrong with something. This was something that's been in the works, and it's just something that has been uh, super fun to be doing. And hopefully we can do it again very, very soon. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, that's gonna do it for today. Thank you, all you guys, both sides, Guiding Sports Pod, Murphy's Boston Sports Talk. Thank you so all you guys much. Listening, we appreciate it, and we'll be back again in a couple months to do it again, James. See you later, Sean. It was a all pleasure, right, man. To you, brother. All right, later. That recording probably took us, I believe, it was three and a half hours, and it was all sports, all fun you know debating conversing you know i wouldn't say we argued but you know we went back and forth which is good that's what sports is all about you know talking about sports you know what my podcast wants to do and i think his as well is to generate discussions revolving around boston sports and it was super fun as you know sean and i are definitely going to collab again later in the future sooner than later i should say but with all that i don't want to keep this podcast episode any longer than it has to be I really hope you all enjoyed. Definitely don't forget to download. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe if you're new to the channel or leave a like rating down below as well. Audio-only platforms. Reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram at Murphs underscore Boston ST. You know the drill. I will see you on Hump Days on Wednesdays edition of Murphs Boston Sports Talk. But until then, see ya.